1: The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision.
2: Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, in more. Anything that you want to talk about, we could talk about. One of the things that I like talking about for sure... Are companies that obviously compete with one another. <laughs> We've done this before, you know, LeBron versus um, Kobe Bryant. Who's the greatest of all time? Shaquille O'Neal or who's the greatest? Fight. I like the head-to-head angles. Coke versus Pepsi. Microsoft versus who was it at what point in time? Netscape. Microsoft versus who was it at another point in time? Right. They've had many, many rivals come and go. Two of the ones that I like to look at a lot are verizon and a t and t Now keep in mind when I was a young man a t and t was like a monopoly. If you wanted to make a phone call, you basically went to a t and yeah. t ma bell they had a pacific they had all the bells, and verizon was one of the bells. Verizon was an east coast uh baby bell now the baby bells obviously a t t um, had the long distance, and then the government got involved and said, okay, you got to break up those uh, local calls versus long distance calls versus the. Uh, who knew where we were going with phone calls, right? You have to break up the data plan versus the voice plan. You have to do the text versus the data. Ah, it became so much. But now, what's interesting is. You can like Verizon for one thing, and you can like AT&T for a totally different. It doesn't mean that you should dislike one company. AT&T's got just, you know, obviously an amazing set of assets now with Game of Thrones. So literally, Jon Snow could be on the white, on the wall, and he could pick up a phone and go, wait, wait, can you hear me now? Ned, you need to get to the wall now. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? The walkers are coming. What? Who's coming? Grandma? I'll put a roast in. No, the Walkers are coming. So AT&T's got some content now, right? Now Verizon, on the other hand, they have Yahoo. <laughs> no! That's not quite as good as Game of Thrones, is it? Or Sarah Jessica Parker. Hey, it's Horsey Face. You want to go on a date? So AT&T's got some 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 cachet, so to speak. at a little bit more like a Disney, right? Disney's got the characters where Mickey can come out and go, "Hey kids, you come come watch Star Wars, the movie." Where the Universal people, Comcast, Universal, I guess they got the Minions. You know, yeah. You see how it's about content. Content wins. Which wins all wars? Is the content or the road maker? That's why the AT&Ts and the Raisins had to get content because they they have the roads. Now they need to put content on top of it. Now Verizon's doubling down on its network. AT&T has rapidly diversified beyond the phone business. They're kind of going in different directions, wouldn't you say? I have used a Verizon phone for 20 years. No way. I've been loyal. I've never done anything like switch to AT&T in a moment of frustration. I've never, ever, never considered Sprint. People use Sprint or poor. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> No no, internal editor on. I've never ever used Sprint, you know, people who use Sprint like bad networks that don't necessarily connect at the right proper time when you're being murdered. Eh? Is that better? So I've always been loyal to Verizon. You know what I got for being loyal to Verizon? Nothing! All I got is a stupid t-shirt. So the industry right now is healthy, and... One of the things that they're getting ready to go into is 5G wars. Nine out of ten Americans have a wireless phone. Nine out of ten. Oh, snap. Mm-hmm. We're going to call that one out. As that, that was a mess. Nine out of ten Americans have a wireless phone. You stop and you think for a second. You think of all those people working at Bubblegum Shrimp. I know you're saying, Rob, I typically don't have a lot of thoughts about people who work at public Up and Shrump. They all have phones. Think about the people at the Cheesecake Factory tonight who are going to be waiting tables on you and hustling in their clean, white, pristine shirts that are going to get all gross and dirty by the end of the night. When You don't even want to see those things. They walk on their own. They're the living dead. They're the the, the walkers. The white walkers. (laughs) You think nine out of ten people have a cell phone? And what happens if you don't pay your cell phone this month to cut it off? So, the once dependable, cash rich landline and cable TV businesses are still dealing with heavy industry wide exoduses right now. So, cable TV, they're having problems figuring out me, like, and going, I, I, I want to cut I, I I don't want to pay for a modem anymore. I don't want to pay for a cable box anymore. Like, they have to deal with crazy, maniacal people like me who can't control ourselves. And you get mad about $9.99 a month rental fees on equipment that totally cost maybe $20. So after two months, you've already paid for it for them, and they still charge you for it. But Verizon's got me for life, right? And the whole cable TV, not so much. The whole landline. You know, Comcast is willing to give you a phone line in your house just in case you truly need it. In case your wireless phone doesn't have any charge and you need a wired phone. Like, who who has a wired phone now? Seriously, who has a wired phone? Okay, so maybe your mother has a wired phone. Okay, I get it. Okay, maybe your aunt has a wired phone. But Verizon is saying, <clears throat> you know, we're all in on this 5G thing. We're not a cable TV company. We, we're not all about landlines. We're all about 5G and related services. Executives have made over 150 references to 5G in recent months, talking about like what Verizon's really focusing it on. And again, where do you want to go with your, your first and foremost, you get dividends. AT&T gives you a 7% dividend yield, 6.5% dividend yield. That's unbelievable. You know what I own? I own AT&T for its dividend yield. Whoa. That's kind of where I keep some short-term cash. Now, again, consult a broker advisor for taking action on any stocks mentioned on the show. Is it wise? No. <clears throat> Any company that yields over 2% is kind of loco in the cooker. Now Verizon, they're not too shabby. They're yielding about 4%. Ten-year ten treasury will get you about, what, two and a half? Ah, ah, ah. So I use these guys as cash alternatives. Now, Verizon gives you a little bit of growth because they're saying 5G, 5G, 5G. 18 T gives you a lot of stability because they were all about the landlines and some other legacy businesses that probably weren't the best. Now, again, I'm already saying it. <clears throat> I'm dating the sister that's the, the not so pretty one. I think Verizon's prettier. I think 18's more stouty and durable, which is not exactly what you want to talk about when you're dating someone. Oh, she's really stouty and durable. <laughs> But I like the steady durableness of the dividend of AT&T. What can I say? I cannot lie. Stocks have historically paid smaller yields. Verizon averaging 4.5% over the last decade. AT&T averaging 5.4% um, over the last decade. But right now, AT&T, you know, 6.5%. It tells you it's a little stressed and strained. So I just went over two companies. One was growth and income, and one was income. Can you do that in your head with what you own and why? I kind of gave you the reasons why. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and your money live on the Bay Area airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. Joining me now, the one, the only Nick Nolenberger from the San Jose Barracuda. AM 1220 KDOW is the home of the Barracuda, and Nick Nolenberger is the voice of the CUDA. How goes it, Nick? What's going on, Rob? Uh, playoff time. I was sitting down watching a little uh, Sharks last night. I was like, wow, the year's over. So as the NHL is wrapping <laughs> up, the AHL is wrapping up, and uh, Barracuda are in playoff position. So you're stoked to you get the extra season. Do you get paid for the extra season?
1: I wish we had bonuses involved in the playoffs. We don't, but, uh, you know, I guess it's just part of the ride. Oh, the ride. Uh, yeah, it's an exciting time of year. I'm looking forward to the playoffs. Hopefully we get in. I mean, we're in a good spot, so I'm looking forward to it
2: so we, when I'm seeing it um, the AHL kind of does a funny thing I think they probably save a little bit of money on travel and some teams play more than others and they would do it on winning percentages um, Barracuda started really really hot was it the hot start that, that that took them towards the doorstep of the playoffs
1: yeah I mean certainly aided we're out right now I mean we're second in the division um, it, it's, uh, it, it's definitely helpful to have that, that good early start um it's a dogfight to get in the playoffs, though. I mean, there's, there's currently right now, there's three teams fighting essentially for the final spot in the division. Um, you've got Color well, four teams because you've got Colorado, Tucson, San Diego. as well as Colorado. And it's going to be a fight really till the end. And it makes for, it's definitely an exciting finish. Right now, the Barracuda are probably the best spot out of the four teams um, in second in the division. Um, But everybody's separated by essentially, uh, you know, no more than four points. So um, it's going down to the final stretch and certainly is helpful that the Barracuda had the start that they did. Um, You know, they built up some equity and now they're at this point in the season where it, you know it's kind of go time. They had three straight wins before uh, falling the other night against San Diego on Wednesday. So um, a big two points on the line tonight, taking on um, Grand Rapids. They take on, they take on the affiliate of the Detroit Red Wings the next two nights. So um, out of the division, but uh, Grand Rapids is trying to punch a playoff ticket as well. So um, definitely something to play for over the next two days.
2: Right. And there's a big game, obviously, um, tonight and tomorrow night. Tickets are still available. It's playoff atmosphere, which I'm going to be honest, I'm okay with hockey in September, October, November, December, but I really, really love April and May hockey. It's like, I think it's the best sport on the planet. Um, Does your game ramp up as the players game ramps up? And as my excitement ramps up? Do they all kind of work together?
1: Big time. It's funny how, just from my standpoint, because obviously I'm just sitting there in my in my perch watching the game and calling it. But um, you can tell the intensity picks up, the speed, uh, the the rink shortens. It kind of tightens up. You know, there's not as much space out there, so um, you you could tell probably. Three weeks ago that the things were starting to intensify, and um, it, it's definitely got to that point. I feel like it, we've been in the playoffs for essentially the last three weeks. So um, just like the NHL, things get intense, things get tight, things get physical. Guys are, you know, they're fighting for positioning in front of the net. Um, you know, it's just that time of the year where, where things, you know, everything kind of... Ratchets up for for the intensity, so there's no doubt it's the same as the NHL. Um, guys are fighting for jobs, guys are fighting to get the playoffs. and uh, There is a difference when I'm calling the game at this yeah. time of the year than at the start of the year, and it makes it makes it for a lot of fun.
2: Should be good. Uh, I know a lot of people are going to the Saturday game. It's chaotic Katie will be there, but a lot of my kids' friends, um, one of them plays junior hockey, like junior, junior, peewee hockey, um, but some of them play baseball. Like a lot of sporting clubs and organizations are bringing kids just down by buses for the Saturday game because I think it's the playoff time. And uh, I think the, the, the community is starting to become a little bit more aware that the Barracuda play. AHL hockey in an NHL facility with NHL future stars. Um, I remember when Pavelski used to play, not with the Barracuda, but with the Worcester Sharks, and uh, you see him today, and you're like, he's the captain of the team. It's pretty cool the way uh, people graduate through the system.
1: Yeah, we're, we're, you know, we're, we've been working it. We've been trying to get people to get on board. I mean, it's year number four now for the team, so next year will be, obviously, a big number five, and you know, there's been a lot of guys that have come through the system over the last four years, and we're hoping to make the playoffs for the fourth straight year, which will be the first time in, you know, the Sharks' history that they would send um, the same affiliate to the American Hockey League playoffs for four straight years. They've never done that before, which, you know, it's something that's important to the organization, and, you know, they're trying to build a culture um, at the AHL level for guys to make it to the NHL, but make it to the NHL and have playoff experience at the AHL level. I mean, it's important. Um, you know, they've kind of turned the philosophy and, and kind of the, the mindset at the AHL level. So, I mean, you've seen Tebow Meyer, Marcus and I mean, Aaron Dell played last night for the Sharks. I mean, there's this, a plethora of guys who have, who have played in the American League and now, you know, are becoming stars in the NHL. So, um, extremely important to kind of, you know, cut their teeth at the AHL level and, you know, once they become stars, you you forget about their time in the American League, but it's extremely important for their careers. And they look back, and you know they, they, it's uh, they look back at a, at the time when they were in the AHL, and it's a very important for their career. I mean, I was just talking to Timo Meyer the other day, and you know he still looks back at his AHL time, and it's a very important for his career. And you know he's still very it's a, it's a you know it's it's, it's important. It's, it's and, great and hockey. It's hard, it's hard to win. Yeah. And like, yeah, it is.
2: I've heard true Canadians, there's eight trophies that you could win in hockey. <laughs> one of them's like junior, one of them's AHL, one in the NHL, one of them's uh, the Olympics. So to be a true hockey champion, you've got to win all of them, so don't discount the AHL. It's the final two home games of the season, tonight, 7 o'clock, Grand Rapids-Griffins. Tomorrow, a rematch with Grand Rapids-Griffins, and then you got one more week in the season before the playoff ramps up. Um, tickets are family-friendly. Food is family-friendly. Parking is family-friendly. It's a great uh, organization, com. We've got about 30 seconds. Any last thoughts, Nick, before you, you roll out of the break?
1: Well, it is a Friday, so that means it's uh, $2 LR beers, $1 nice. hot dogs. It's fan appreciation night, so the first 1500 hundred will get a, uh, a team photo of the team, um, the 28 to 19 group. So um, certainly come out. We hope to see you. Playoffs are right on the horizon, so keep kind of tuned at com and just what the schedule is and you know what the playoff schedule will be. But uh, it is a fun time of year, as you mentioned, Rob. So we're looking forward to it. We hope to see everybody out at the SAP Center.
2: With all the um, black eyes and Call-ups and drops from the NHL squad. Do they have to Photoshop the players in the uh, team photo?
1: It's amazing. The team photo every year, guys sneak in and guys <laughs> fall out of it. <laughs> yeah, I would so, imagine so. Uh, Yes, it's it's incredible guys who make the team photo and guys who don't, but uh right now it is uh it's intact, no photoshopping necessary. Thanks very much.
2: I know a plethora I gaggle a kid's are gonna be at the game tomorrow, Saturday, April sixth, but we're talking about also tonight, April fifth. People can get off work tonight. Uh head to SJBarracuda.com. That's Nick Nolenberger, the voice of the Sharks, uh, the Barracuda. Maybe one day Sharks. The Barracuda the AHL affiliate. Um Tune in. You can hear him here tonight at 7 o'clock. Saturday, Grand Rapids at 1.15. That's such a kid-friendly time. You can get out of the house. You can grab a car full of kids. You can hustle on down. Maybe stop and get a big breakfast. Awesome time. HL playoff level hockey. Because it's just one, two weeks away from the playoffs starting. And they're going to get it. I get that sneaky suspicion. I'm Rob Black. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Mike Kruko, legendary broadcaster, came up with it, I really think, is a, a compliment to women, female athletic sports-watching warriors. I don't think there was any malintent. But when I talk gamer babes, I'm talking about hot chicks who play video games. woo No, I'm not talking about that. Maybe I was 10 years ago, but I'm not talking about it today because if I was talking about it today, I'd lose my job. Silicon Valley is facing an exodus of young employees and recruiting tech talent is becoming harder. You watch the show, Silicon Valley, and I really enjoy that show, but it's a little too close to, to home, too. It's almost as if people who watch Breaking Bad used to have meth problems. Like, I can't watch that show. It's too realistic. Silicon Valley, I just, we are a bunch of kooks here. And tech talent's becoming harder to come by in Silicon Valley as other cities are becoming more powerful innovation hubs and attracting workers at cheaper costs. Silicon Valley is seeing more competition from other cities and countries that are drawing some of the top talent away from California. And there's one thing that I can tell you I got rich, stinking rich, filthy rich. From a variety of sources, A, starting my own business, B, going after the stock market, C, being at the right place at the right time when it comes to Silicon Valley housing prices. I got here after dot, uh, dot .com 1.0. If I got here before dot .com 1.0, I'd be smoking cigars with cash money right now. $100 bills, lighting up with cigars. Greed is good. But I got here in between 1.0 and 2, and there was a, a lull and a softness and a crash, which got me in. And then Web 2.0 starts to take off, and now Web 3.0 is starting to take off. Now, that makes me a little nervous when you see companies like Lyft, Uber, Pinterest, Workflow. Um, there's two or three others that are coming out easy. It's a, it's a, it's a herd of unicorn billionaires, companies that aren't earning money but are, are, have great promise. Now, keep in mind... There was a lot of great promise companies in the 1990s and early 2000s that people were like, you'll never have to leave your home again. Groceries will come to you from Webvan. And you're like, that's kind of awesome. Your dog choices will be 1 million plus. It's the dog's biggest store next to Amazon that you can get dogfoodpets.com. And they had a talking pet sock. You're like, I'm in. If they got a talking pet sock, that's the sizzle. You don't have to have earnings. Revenue is good. Sweet. A sock puppet's good. Earnings, eh. So, 41% of tech workers aged 18 to 34 said they plan to leave the barrier Area in the next year. These are tech workers. These aren't the people who are rubbing the tech workers, the masseuses and the, the waiters and the waitresses and the bartenders and the bartenderettes. These are the coders. These are the people who, this is a problem. We'll talk about that and more on future episodes of how... Rob Black's mind works. Black. You're black. So there's 12 Fridays that mean something to me. I know you're saying, okay, let's think about it. Is there a good Friday? Is there a Friday before Christmas? No, the 12 Fridays that mean something to me are the 12 Fridays, the first Fridays of the month. That's when the jobs report comes out. So if you look at your calendar and you see that it's the first Friday of the month, you're like, ooh, that must be Rob Black's holiday. Ooh. Well, the holiday actually starts the night before. It's the, the night before Jobs Friday. And all through the house, I'm getting drunk out of my mind. I'm I'm just so anticipating, like 10, 9, 8, I need to do the countdown for the jobs report. That's the only thing I really care about when it comes to investing.
0: That's gold, Jerry. Gold!
2: Now now you're saying, really? Not really, but kind of close, yeah. So it's very Goldilocksian. When you see unemployment down at 4%, that's about as good as it gets. And when you see unemployment at... 8%, 8 9 10%. That's about as bad as it gets and it gets exponentially worse. So 10% unemployment is way worse than 9 which is you know not as bad as 11%. Like whoa, okay now I get where Rob's going. Everything is in moderation. I like inflation. I know you're saying I thought inflation was the boogeyman. I thought it was Jason Voorhees. That little boy who died in Crystal Lake? Yes. Inflation can be very much so like Jason or Freddy Krueger or um, the guy from Saw, I don't know his name. But inflation's also kind of cool and cute and lovable when it's like wage inflation. Oh, wage inflation, you such a good puppy, such a good puppy, a good wage inflation. We want 1% to 2% wage inflation, we don't want 3%. 3% of that 25-year-old punk kid who's got a degree from Vassar College, and you're like, where's Vassar College? What, do you learn to get vasectomy? Is it Vassar? Like, what's Vassar? And you don't even know where Vassar is. And you're like, this kid comes out, and he's he's like, hey, well, uh, unemployment's so low, and you know, it, 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 wage inflation's so great, I'm going to jump from job to job. And you're like, I hate you. I've worked at this this dead-end, no-good job for 25 years, and you come in, and you're like, starting to bounce around, and you step on my job to get another job. A mess. So inflation's important, but it's very Goldilocks, and you want a little bit of it. A little wage inflation's good. And yeah, you do want your hot dog that you buy from the- uh, the vendor at the ballpark going from a buck to a buck twenty five now oddly enough, it's gone from a buck to nine dollars, and that's not good that's too much inflation same thing with housing. you want housing to go up, you want the people who work on your house to go up you want the people who massage your back to get a little bit more money because in theory you're getting a little bit more money so inflation's really, really, really important to pay attention to, and like uh when you go from like two two household incomes to one household income, you can see like the pressure that puts on like paying more attention to inflation. You can see the pressure that it puts on paying more attention to your bills and the interest rates that you pay. So I'm all about everyone winning, even a little bit of wage inflation, even a little price inflation. I don't mind paying more. It's healthy and normal, and it kind of feeds into the whole system. Anyhow, and anyway, I'm totally digressing. One of my heroes is someone who most people hate in America. But if you go internationally, he's kind of considered a hero. A guy named Michael Milliken. He came up with something called the junk bond, which was kind of another way of saying it was a high-yield bond. And depending on how you say it, it's, it's like, it's got the difference in the world. You can have this instrument that yields more than the market yields. It's got a bounty, field of y- bounty full of yield, but there's some risk with it. Or you could say, this one's so risky, they got to pay you a lot of money because you're crazy for owning it. And like one sounds like a junk bond, and one sounds like a high-yield corporate bond. And you're like, what's the difference? And Michael Milliken figured out, let's we could sell this to people. And what's interesting about it is, again, to come up with a financial derivative and to be honest about it makes you a monster to society. Eh, I don't get it. I don't get it. Um, He taught me a lot of things. One of the first things he taught me was how to look at the big picture and look at big global shifts. And uh, we're seeing a big global shift. And I I saw it really with, with China. In India, when I start, started getting into radio and the stories and the demographics were like, oh, the agent of the baby boomer. And you're like, okay, baby boomer. I got a brother who's a baby boomer. He's taking some more pharmaceuticals. My mom is not a baby boomer, but she's taking a lot of pharmaceuticals. So you can kind of see, like, that's a big trend shift, right? So same thing with what you see, like, in Japan or not Japan. Um, well, Japan's an old country with old people. And they're really struggling replacing that tax base. The United States has got a much younger workforce, but we're also aging, so we could kind of see the trend, right? The big picture. China wanted to get into the world market as a capitalist country on some way, shape, form, and they said, let's do it through the Olympics. And there's like these seminal moments. And if you look at India, India is just as big as China on many levels, but they got a better political system and a better educational system. Why not endorse them? And you're like, well, I saw that movie Slumdog Millionaire and they're a bunch of poor kids in Mumbai living in their own feces. You really got to get out a little bit more often. Turn on something called the BBC. See what the real world looks like. Look at the big pictures, Michael Milliken would say. Um, another thing that he taught me was risk is necessary for progress. And there's an economist named Joseph and I know you're saying, can you pull Joseph Schumpter out of your back pocket? I can't. He he was the author of something called Creative Destruction. Capitalism is Creative Destruction. And I I totally agree with that. And and you have to take risks to get reward. And sometimes you take risks that you don't even know you're taking. Like, literally, I, I told you that, you know, one of the reasons I got wealthy was I got land in the Bay Area. And it was more like I had a dream as a child to come here. It wasn't like I had a dream to come here and buy land. It was more like one kind of fell into the other, right? Sometimes you don't even know the risk you're taking. The amount of risk that I have in real estate is way too high. And yet, some people are like, it's the best investment I've ever made. It's the best liability I've ever made. So, you know, Facebook co-founder Mark Zuckerberg, he said once said, the only strategy that is guaranteed to fail is not taking risk. And I agree with that. So, and you look at your sporting teams and like, uh, was Jimmy Garoppolo the right choice for the, the 49ers? We don't know. We know that he dated a porn star or went on a date with a porn star. We're like, that's kind of interesting. We know that he's a good looking dude that a lot of people are like, we're going to buy his jersey. So how much risk was it? Is it risk to win or is it risk to like sell jerseys? So Michael Milliken also said, know your limits. Um, I think we could all say there's times where you get in over your head and that comes with information big time. If you've never looked at a financial statement, you can't own stocks. Come on. If you've never looked at the return on equity, return on investment, if you never looked at debt to equity... You really shouldn't be You're just gambling. And that's why some people think investing is gambling because you go into it uneducated. And I get it. Do you have a charter education? Uh, education? Charter school education? Do you have a private school education? Do you have a public school education? And now you're saying, what are you talking about with your education? <laughs> you got to know your limits of how smart or smart you're not. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at KDOW.biz or on the KDOW radio app. Generation Z has become the biggest consumer cohort globally displacing millennials as the top obsession for investors trying to figure out how to cash in on unique shopping behavior of young people. Millennials, hello, Generation Z. Miley Cyrus is now officially old and not shopping as much as Kyrie Jenner. Let's talk about this for Uno Momento. The way kids shop, eat, and consume media is big business, big do re me. Mi. They might still be in school, they may not be able to have children or drink beer. They could certainly smoke marijuana, though, and you could see it in the investment markets. Generation Z investments have outperformed the S&P 500 by 8 percentage points in the last year. That's a lot. Generation Z has spending power of $143 billion. Now, that Hi, leaves this people. is Ava, and you're listening. That leaves people like me salivating, because I'm, I'm better I'm better suited at picking stocks than you'd imagine. But then I have to understand these people. I have to understand like they don't really want to go to college, even though their parents pay five hundred thousand dollars bribe money to get them into college. So Generation Z, which is roughly between the ages of seven and twenty-two, they're born after the internet went mainstream and they occupy a world where marijuana is basically legal. That's all they know. They know that you can do a swipe and anything will be at your front door. They've grown up on platforms like Snapchat and Instagram. They've always thought Facebook was for old people. It was never for cool college people. It was never for young millennials. Because they're not millennials. They're Generation Z. They can be influenced. They can be bought. They love Instagram and other platforms. 52% said they primarily find out about new products from social media. Social media! We used to have to watch commercials to learn about new products. Oh my god, no way! So you get a big jump from Generation X, who are the parents of Generation Z, to the millennials. And again, it gets kind of confusing. Kylie Jenner, she's promoted her makeup line on Instagram and is now considered the youngest self-made billionaire. She never bought a TV commercial. Her makeup line made its way over to Ulta Beauty last year, and the company shares are up more than 40%. Ulta Beauty. If you take a drive from here to Truckee, to Tahoe, to Sacramento, you're going to see a lot of these huge little side strip malls. And inside, every one of them is an Ulta beauty. So when Kylie Jenner said, you know, Snapchat's kind of stupid, it wiped off $1.3 billion market cap from it. If you look at the hypothetical stock portfolio of the influencers, you get Electronic Arts, Nike, Adidas, Coca-Cola, T-Mobile, and Under Armour on what they're pushing and you see these the, the influencers are people like Cristiano Ronaldo, Selena Gomez, Ariana Grande, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. <laughs> these people make money in acting and singing and athletics, but they make even more money being influencers on Instagram. Younger consumers are wary of nasty hangovers. So, you know, that's bad news for Anheuser-Busch and Molson Coors. But legal marijuana is kind of a thing in this day and age. Generation Z consumers are coming of age when it's less of a stigma. So gone is Molson Coors and Anheuser-Busch. For the record, I wouldn't even wash my car with Molson Coors. My dog once got like dead seal on it. And I'm like, someone's like, well, all I got is a beer you could pour on it. I'm like, is it a Coors? And he goes, yeah. I said, well, it's good enough. Like, it's close enough to water. We could, we could put it on the dog. So now those investments have been replaced with Canopy Growth and Aurora Cannabis. Pure Leaf Holdings, Green Thumb Industries, all publicly traded. Millennials don't have to go to stores. They've proven that you know, the big dairy air is is partially caused by not working out and walking. Just sit on your couch like a bird, a baby little bird, and let Mama Grubhub bring food and drop it in your mouth. And you'll get a big tushy. Generation Z can be the first generation to truly embrace online grocery shopping. Eighty three percent of them said they primarily produce purchase groceries at a physical store, just 83. But that's down from 95% of baby boomers and 87% of millennials. So the trend is going lower and lower. You don't even have to go pick out your fruit anymore. There used to be a thing about squeezing the melons. Or, no, no, it was the Charmin guy. Oh, that would be politically incorrect. Remember the Charmin guy who like restocking toilet paper and always squeezed the toilet paper in front of the women? It had some strange sexual innuendo tied towards it. That is not appropriate behavior, okay? So Amazon announced to buy Whole Foods to kind of get in that blend. Kroger and Walmart, the largest sellers of groceries in the U.S., have spent billions investing in technology. Walmart said the other day, this is fantastic, we don't care if you buy groceries in the store, at the curb, we'll we'll bring them to you, just buy groceries from us. Now we're going to eventually get into self-driving cars and what's being delivered by humans and what's not being delivered by humans. And one more thing to know about Generation Z is they're incredibly loyal animals. They are all about not eating meat. So when Burger King says we're coming out with a Whopper with impossible meat that has no meat in the meat, it, to me, that used to be a joke. It's like, oh, it's going to be that cardboard patty. Oh, you're going to spice it up with a little salt and call it vegetarian. Where's the beef? But now, like, you better be careful, whether you're Gap or Macy's. You know, buying clothes online, you have to have an appeal to kids today that, like, there's something socially happening, something ethical, something environmentally friendly. Apparel brands are looking to connect to younger shoppers who've tried embracing edgier brands. So Generation Z different than millennials. And it stinks because now I I used to think, oh, I have to listen to Miley Cyrus, and I grew to like Miley Cyrus. Now am I going to have to listen to Selena Gomez and eventually like Selena Gomez or Justin Bieber? Because the people who are influencing the Generation Z are typically the Millennials, because Millennials got influenced by Generation You see how it kind of goes? It's kind of that crossover. But also, one thing about Millennials, uh, Generation Z, is they eat very, very differently. So Chipotle, once left for dead, hot stock again. Where does that leave companies like McDonald's? Question mark, question mark, question mark. I'm Rob Black.